you know, as we as we get an opportunity to travel this year um, more than we've ever traveled, um, I'm observing constantly for um, Jesus and for His message, and where it, where there's contradictions in terms of life being lived around the world that in, philosophically is misaligned with with Jesus, and the consequences of that misalignment are pretty severe. It's why it's important. You know, our Jesus fulfilled the prophecies, and we can have confidence in that. He left us a roadmap of thousands of years of Scripture that he fulfilled so we wouldn't have to doubt. And people hunger for God. You see it all over the world. They hunger for God. And, and they'll fill that void with a lot of weird stuff sometimes. And the consequences of that can be pretty severe on the world. Um, that will probably never change. Um, but it's, you know, it's our responsibility as people that know Jesus to get that message out so that um, people can have freedom. And, you know, um, this is the same slide I had up a month ago or a month and a half ago, just a reminder um, that we have to constantly ask ourselves, you know, who do we say Jesus is? Who do we say he is? You know, it's important to continue to come back to that all the time. And when you have doubts, to uh, Jesus can withstand all your doubts. So dive back in to the word, spend time with him, uh, and answer that question. And continue on this journey, it's important. You know, the, the, the older, the more time we, we spend, the more th thought about all the different philosophies in the world there are and the impact that they have on, on people, um, the more and more and more important this dealing with this issue of, of who Jesus is and, and he's alive in the world and the impact that he's, that he's having in the world for good is remarkable. And, and to separate man's manipulation of Jesus' message and abuse of his message in the church and outside the church from who he was and that personal relationship that we can have with him. I think it's, I think it's important. Uh, people attack Jesus because of what they see happening in the church a lot of times. Even today on Fox News, there's you know, attacks on Kenneth Copeland and other people for what is perceived to be abuse. And I don't know if it is or, or it isn't, um, but it, it, it obscures a very important message of freedom that comes from Jesus. So um, we're going to come back to these scriptures, but the, these are the scriptures that are really relevant to today's message, which is a, really about human life and how important it is and how fragile it is and how really we take for granted because we've lived in an unprecedented period of peace in the United States. For those of us that were born after World War II, um, you know, we, we just don't understand how evil the world is out there. Um, and, and so it, these, these messages um, continue to resonate in James but the wisdom is from above and is first pure. God's wisdom is ancient wisdom that's in the Proverbs and is in Scripture uh, is first pure from above. And it results in peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. I love that definition of, of God's wisdom and what the fruit of that wisdom looks like. So if we're, if we're not seeing that kind of fruit particularly from someone in ministry, we can know there's, there's, there's something wrong. There's something out of, out of whack. People are human. They're going to do things that, that don't make sense. Um, but we, we know when we see good fruit, when we see mercy, when we see peace, 
gentleness um, from, from each other. Inside our marriages, inside our families, outside in our community, that we, we're, we're seeing an expression of God's wisdom through each other. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, that's, a, that's what we aspire to. I don't think we ever fully achieve that in this lifetime on this planet because we're sinful people. We make mistakes. We, we, pride wells up in us. We have bad days when, when we're sad for whatever reason and we lash out at the people we love the most. I don't think that will ever really change, but I think we can improve on that. I think we can be more and more aware. In my experience, I'm more aware of, of that than I've ever been. Um, and, you know, this Joseph, uh, Pharaoh recognized in Joseph, and you can see this in the scripture. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For so much as God has shown thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as you, Joseph. And you will be over my house according to thy word, shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. Pharaoh recognized the wisdom from the quote in James in Joseph. And he turned his entire kingdom uh, over to Joseph to rule and acknowledged that I'm going to sit on the throne, but you're the power behind the throne. You're going to rule my people. You're more wise than I am, and you're going to lead my people. Wow. You know, that's pretty incredible. All because he recognized in Joseph this wisdom. Do people recognize that wisdom in us? You know, and 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 uh, in the way we treat and act and behave. Do do are we an expression of this wisdom in a way that leadership wants us involved in their world? You know, Th- those are the kinds of things we aspire to. And then, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When when we get a hold of God's wisdom and it begins to change us from the inside out because we've committed our life and it starts with that, who do you say I am? And we've made that commitment to Christ. Then we start that sanctification process. And that's, that wisdom will, will is pure. Your desire to do the things you do, to take care of your families, to serve your community, the, that, that comes from a pure heart, a pure heart. These are all the great scriptures and examples of what it looked like when it's working. And we don't always realize how important it is that of what you do when you lead your families, how important that is, and, and, and how tough that can be in countries where uh, the, this kind of wisdom is not appreciated. So in my trip um, around the world, I felt, and really for the last six months, what the Lord just continues to lay on my heart is how important every human life is and how our belief systems inform that belief. And history demonstrates that apart from God and his word, without his wisdom and without his word, men and women around the world and children are subject to levels of cruelty that we cannot even imagine today. And it's gone on historically. So it will happen again, and we have to be on guard. I I think it's naive to believe that this fragile experiment that is the United States of America um, is, is, we're young. One of the things you realize when you travel around the world, and in and, and, and China, for instance, thousands of, you know, we're looking at buildings that were built thousands of years ago. When you go to Rome, you see things that were built thousands of years ago, and you realize how unique and unusual the place we live is and how much love there is in this country and the divisiveness that we see 
is the enemy trying to tear that apart. And, you know, I don't have an answer for the politics. I'm just as disgusted, I think, as everybody else is. Um, but, but I know that this is our job at the local level, at the family level, at the family unit level, you know, to continue to pour into God's word and gain his wisdom so that our, behavior, our behavioral expressions uh, within our families can be positive. And that we, we just, we're on this journey. And, if, and, 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 and to extend grace and mercy to yourself and to your family members as we make mistakes. And be quick to say, I'm sorry. You know, to be quick to ask for forgiveness. Uh, as parents, we're going we're gonna to make mistakes. You know, we're going to say things to our kids we wish we hadn't said. Uh, we're, we have bad days, you know, and lots of forgiveness and mercy. Um, I think we're living in a time in history when the demonization of peoples resulted in catastrophic loss of life. Here's, so my, um, my mother's had a, had a half-brother. Her father um, had a, a son that was older in Poland, and he was a doctor. And he, uh, Auschwitz was a work camp. It was a labor camp. And the Germans pulled him out and shot him. There was some uh, dispute that went on in the camp. And so they would, all, they would take the leaders and execute them when stuff like that happened. So this hits really close to home for me, you know, uh, this history. And I, I, I don't think we fully understand. And, and one, of the, one of the things that shocked me when we went through the, the Holocaust Museum in Israel was how unbelievably well-educated uh, the German culture and people were. And the people that were uh, practicing the genocide tools were um, deceived people. Even to the day they walked into the camp, the Jewish people were deceived on what was happening to them. And you always wonder, why didn't they rebel? Why didn't they fight back? Well, because they were being told things that weren't true up until the very day they got off the, the trains to go into the death camps. So uh, I thought this was interesting. So I did some more research, and I found this quote that I thought was really summed it up well. This, this all occurred in what was or what at least seemed to be the late 19th century, Europe's most cultivated, its best educated country. Germany had the world's finest elementary school system, the highest literacy rate, the best universities. More books were being published annually in Germany than anywhere in the world. Its technical skill, its industry, its relentless business savvy, a trait interestingly commonly associated with both the Germans and the Jews, marked it off as among Mardinities, I can't say that word, uh, singular successes. The Weimar era from 19 to 33, the, the German-Jewish sociologist Karl Mannheim boasted represented a new personal age. Soon he, like many others that were fortunate enough to survive, had to flee for his life. So right after this 33 period, um, Hitler came into power. And he began immediately, even board games that the children's played demonized the Jewish people, that they needed to get out. There were only about 500,000 Jewish people in Germany. Uh, th there were millions in Poland. And Poland lost about 14% of its population during World War II. Um, and, and you know, you think in your mind, you know, 5 million people, wow, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's a lot of people. Well, it's even worse than that. That bottom, you know, there are a lot of pictures. I didn't show the gruesome, but I think a couple are relevant. The bottom picture are the glasses, just the glasses. Um, 
And if you ever get a chance to go to Israel, go to, go, go to Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Museum. It's, it's a remarkable exhibition. And I think what's important about it is to remind us that this kind of evil happens when, when philosophy at the leadership level is, is, is a mess. And so our, your philosophy, what you believe, matters. The philosophy of our, of our uh, uh, it matters. So, you know, Hitler demonized the Jews, um, and really most of the local Germans, Polish people stood by. There was anti-Semitism in the United States to the point where we wouldn't let Jewish people immigrate into the U.S. We were, we were afraid. And that kind of fear, um, it, we made it hard for people to immigrate. Sound familiar today? You know, we've got people who are oppressed around the world and we're afraid of them. So our immigration system pushes back to the extent that my own daughter-in-law is having a hard time. I mean, she'll get here eventually, but man, it's hard. You know, 12 to 18 months. Um, so, you know, if you're from a part of the world, you know, America has always been a refuge for, for people who are oppressed. And I, I think we as believers need to take the high road on, um, you know, we, we need to protect our country. I'm not saying we don't. But at the same time, uh, there needs to be a process for immigrants to get into our country in a legal way. Um, so I, I just think we need to be aware of demonization of people. You, you, see, uh, you, you see it anywhere there's opposition. The first thing we want to do is demonize somebody who opposes our point of view. You see it on Facebook and on all the Twitter, you know, when, when, when uh, good people are attacked, and the first thing they try to do is attack their character. I don't know how we ever get anybody to run for office. You know, uh, Jeff Williams, for instance, I think, who's our mayor of Arlington, is probably one of the, the squeaky cleanest people we ever meet. And, man, he's, he came under incredible attack during the election. Um, insinuating all kinds of horrible things, um, and and so I, you know, I getting good people to be in leadership with good philosophies, people that know Jesus and and are, and are trying to do good. I think it's going to be difficult. Um, and then you have this whole mindset about um, uh, abortion and and euthanization. The the German uh, skill set. They had a secret uh, program where when Hitler got into power, where if you were deformed or had mental illness, they would come in white coats to your family and say, hey, we have a cure for you. And they would bring you to the hospital and then they would euthanize you. And they would say that it, that's where it all started. That unit that did that euthanized a few hundred thousand people in Germany that way. Um, so if you had Down syndrome or you had mental illness, that's how they, that was their solution for you. Um, because their philosophy was messed up. And so that team of people that learned to euthanize with carbon monoxide poisoning were the ones that designed the gas chambers for the mass exterminations, the same team. All because of, uh, and, and the men that worked for Hitler were PhDs. So education without a soul is dangerous. Really smart, highly educated people without a soul, without God's wisdom, to me, are dangerous, and for me, based on history. Because education isn't the dividing line between um, uh, uh, wisdom. You know, God's wisdom mixed with that kind of education is powerful. How am I doing, Aaron? Um, so I just wanted to give you some, 
statistics of what can happen. Now, this happened in the modern age, guys, in the most educated country in the, United, in the world at the time. Okay? Because of Hitler, World War II started. Uh, 70, now, you know, there are different estimates of these numbers. So whether it's 50 million or 70 million people, it's mind-boggling to understand what that is, right? The entire population today of the state of Texas is 29 million people, okay? So imagine if the entire state of Texas was a ghost town, okay, times two, and you're almost there. Isn't that remarkable? And interestingly enough, the countries that took the brunt of the loss of life were Russia, who is really responsible for the defeat of Germany, frankly. Um, when they went after Russia, Russia really weakened uh, Germany to the point where the Allies could come in and finish them off. And then um, the, the Japanese invaded China, and the genocide that went on in China was brutal. To this day, the Chinese and the Japanese don't, you know, there's a lot of, as you would expect, a lot of hurt feelings. So uh, China lost, what, 20 million people, uh, 15, 20 million people. Uh, Russia, 26 million people. You know, we, we think about World War II as just incredible loss of life for the United States. We lost 500,000 people, which is horrible, a huge number. But compared to 50 million between China and Russia, I mean, it's really remarkable that it could happen. It all happened because one guy got into power and, and, and the people stood by and let it happen. And that's why it's so important that we take these issues seriously today. And we, we as believers, we're, we're on the lookout for, you know, weird philosophies that are coming out that, that don't embrace God's wisdom. It's why I cringe when I see the church do something that alienates people because God's wisdom is so good and so amazing and it just pours out love and caring and truth and the fruit of that. If, if it's Jesus, you know, if it's the Jesus movement, if it's the Jesus gospel, okay, it's a good thing. You know, his example is a good thing. So I come back to this. His wisdom is pure, peaceful, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. You know, what we want to do, and Howard and I in Viridian was to create an environment where this could be fostered, where people wanted to get out. And we convinced this big public-private partnership to allow us to create an environment where people can get out and get to know each other. And that this grand experiment of, of, of God's wisdom being poured out onto his people and organically grow here. And I think it's working. And I think there's a, people don't know why, but the, you know, the cities come and visit, and they don't know why, but they say, we want this in our town. And then I tell them, well, there's what you have to do. And they're like, I don't know if we can do that. You know? Um, but they can. So, but it takes a, it takes a village to do it. Um, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, these philosophies matter, and it starts with us, as parents, passing on to the next generation why it's so important, why God's wisdom is so important. Um, this is, I am not a militant uh, abortion. I don't, I think the church should um, 
speak to our own families and our about this issue. But it's important. These are um, these are estimates from an institute. I don't know if this data is accurate, so I want to couch it for that. I think that um, it's their best estimate because it's really hard to get these kind of statistics. But Asia, for instance, in China, they had a one-child policy for many years. It's messed up uh, several generations of Chinese because they had a, mainly wanted boys, so they aborted all the girls to a large extent. So now the boys have to leave the country to find wives because there aren't enough women in China for the young men. Um, and they've gotten rid of that policy. Now they're encouraging people to have children, and guess what? That Because of their newfound prosperity um, and the young women's opportunity to be independent and participate in the marketplace, they don't want to have children. So now they're encouraging them to have children, and they, the women don't want to have children. They're like, ah, I'm finally free. Are you kidding me? I don't want children, you know, because they associate that with the old, you know. So now they got a double problem on their hand. It'll be interesting to see what happens to the birth rate uh, in China. Now, in the agricultural areas, it's not as much of a problem, but it's in the big cities where it's an issue. But these are millions of, these are annual abortion rates in different parts of the world. Um, and, and again, I, I, I think that the issue is education at the family level, you know, that, that every life matters. And um, I, I think our approach as a church should be Christ's approach, which is grace and love and mercy. And, and that um, anyone who's ever struggled with these decisions, uh, man, I get it. You know, no condemnation, just love and mercy through it. But let, as a church, let's default to a philosophy. I think that it's a slippery slope when we as human beings start to make decisions about what lives matter and what lives don't. I think you see, you saw it, you see it in this whole euthanasia discussion. And, and as old people as we get more and more old people in this country, I think you'll hear more and more discussion about, um, you know, when do we euthanize old people who are, have lost their minds so they don't have to suffer anymore? Man, that's a dangerous conversation to have. You know, who are we to decide what life matters and what life is more valuable than another? You know, um, back in the day, uh, if you were a slave in the United States you were, or around the world, you were not, you were subhuman. You know, because somebody decided what races mattered and what races didn't matter. And the, the consequences of those behaviors and those wounds are going to be with us for a long time. Uh, you know, fortunately, through Christ and his love and scripture, uh, we came out of that. There were people who were willing to take a stand and say no. And, and then the political will was finally there to end it. Um, I, I, I don't think... Uh, we'll ever stop these trends, but I think we, within our in our families and in the biblical community, we can just keep loving people well, educate our young people, and be there to support each other when the family is in crisis. Um, and 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 I think at least in the church we can start to to revert. That fortunately the trend is downward in this area, um, but I, I I I think this whole conversation is not about women's reproductive rights or anything else. For me, it's about Who's making this decision about what life matters and what life doesn't? And it's dangerous for humans to make that decision. I think God makes that decision. Um, and again, I know it's a very difficult topic, and I don't bring it up in terms of any being critical or protesting uh, abortion clinics or any of that. I, 
I, I, I think it starts with our family and the love that we express to each other and that we're there for each other in times of crisis. And we make the best decisions we can make and we love people through that. And lots of forgiveness and grace from here, okay? Lots lots of forgiveness, because that's what Jesus did, you know? He, he, there was lots of love and forgiveness and grace for, the, for the, the woman at the well. Lord knew what she had been through. You know, that's our example, uh, and it's a good one. Um, Luke 10, 27. And he answered, said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. That's what it's all about. And that's a good thing. Okay? Hitler never read that. He read something else. Um, and aren't we blessed to be in Viridian and in this place where there's so much love, uh, so much compassion for each other? And, you know, let's be the kind of church that we just pour out love onto people regardless of what they think about the church. We just love on them. We love them to death um, regardless of whatever, you know, just knowing they're on their own journey and we'll leave the, we'll let the Holy Spirit do his thing through us because we just love well, you know? That's what the scripture says. Above all, love God and love your neighbor, right? Really simple. It's that simple. Uh, the, I love the Samaritan. You know, the Samaritan was despised by the Jewish people. And, and yet all the Jewish folks, the, the priests and the Levites, they walked right by the guy on the road. But the Samaritan didn't. And I think because he was oppressed, he had empathy for someone on the road in distress. You know, his, through his pain and oppression, he had empathy for someone on the road who was in pain. And, and I, so, I, you know, to a certain extent, that the things that we struggle with tenderize our heart and prepare us to serve others. So I, I think that's that message of the Samaritan, you know, that we're there for people, that we're looking for opportunities when people are struggling. And then finally, Proverbs, her ways, and I inserted the wisdom thing, uh, her ways or wisdom are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are paths of peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. I'm begging you to share the Proverbs with your children. Get them to read it. You know, if you don't read anything else, just read through the Proverbs. It, there's, there's one there that they can hold on to. Uh, when they're struggling, when you're not there anymore for them, and they're struggling, they, they're going to have one place they can turn to, and you know the wisdom will be good. and It'll be... It'll be God's word. If we can train our kids to go there when they're struggling, so when we're not there for them, they know where to go. And the big papa and his thousands of years of wisdom are still valid today. So life is God-given. As followers of Christ, we're charged with valuing what God values. Love and human life is high on the list. Again, start by educating our families. Politics and culture come in conflict with God's word, but standing up for God's word has proven in history to be painful. But those times in history when God is honored, the people prosper. You know, there are times when we're going to have to stand up. You know, uh, I don't know what that's going to be yet. Um, but when we see people being demonized, I think that's our opportunity to push back. There actually were, believe it or not, countries in Europe when they were rounding up the Jews that refused to do it. It, it might have been Belgium or one of the other countries. I can't remember what country it was. 
But they literally stood up to the SS and said no. And you know what? Those people were saved in that country. You know, they were able to withstand it. Um, and again, the United States is this grand experiment. We haven't been here very long. It's remarkable how powerful we are for how young we are. We have virtually no history in this country. And yet we're the, we're, we, we are, the Lord has put us in a position of, of unbelievable power and influence in the world. Uh, it's amazing. And then last, no, personal spiritual wisdom is necessary to inform academia. Uh, remind your children when they go and they meet a professor in college who doesn't know the Lord or his wisdom, take it with a grain of salt. If it's not balanced with spiritual growth, it's to me, uh, you know, not so sure about that. Um, I just want it balanced. I want there to be a balanced conversation. Um, and and I, I, I think if there's, there's education without spiritual growth, it's this powerful tool without the governor that goes with it. You know, we need, we need behavioral governors that we're checking in all the time. So I'm going to close in prayer. Um, thank you for indulging me on what is a difficult topic, but it's been on my heart for months now, and I'm excited to get to share it with you. Um, if you need prayer, um, feel free to... Um, who would be in the corner somewhere? Becca? Okay, Becca will pray with you. If you need prayer for anything, uh, or if the Lord's just touched something in your heart that you want to you want to pray for the church body, just run over there to Becca, and you guys fired up. There's a lot of power in prayer. Uh, we'll talk about that another time. Father, we are uh, incredibly grateful for this place, uh, this this opportunity, Father, to to come and seek your wisdom. Um, Father, we just pray that that our words are your words, and that the wisdom that we seek out is your wisdom. So, Father, this day, bless these families. Bless this summer and all the excitement that summer brings and all the travel and fun activities, Father. We just pray that you bless and keep uh, our families safe here. Father, give us opportunities to share your love and your wisdom with our community here in Viridian and in Arlington. And in your son's precious name, we pray, amen.